The following is a production of the PTB Soccer Podcast Network, the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast Network. The views expressed on the show are those of the host and solely of the host. For more information, follow the PTB Soccer Network on Instagram at PTB Soccer. That's on Instagram at PTB Soccer. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 68 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agostinho. And we're talking about Benfica versus Vitória Guimarães today, round 32 of the Liga Nage. How is everyone doing this week? Benfica get back to their winning ways. Some people um, enjoyed the performance. Others have a sense of... Too little, too late, and I'm in that camp. I mean, I do apologize for sounding so negative the past couple weeks, but it really, it really has been a um, disappointing return to football since COVID nineteen shut everything down. Uh, this team really, really was disappointing this year, and it's it right now. Honestly, it's like a lose lose situation. If they play well, it it's disappointing because. The season shouldn't have gone this way because you can see that the ability is there to be better than it was. And if they don't play well, it's just further frustration that they're still not playing. And, you know, I... We still have are making the same mistakes we make, we've made all season. We're still... Today we were bailed out. We were lucky that on one play... Uh, the crossbar and the post kept Marcus Edwards' left-footed shot out. And on another one, we're lucky that the player was half a shoe offside off another set piece. Okay, this this has become quite a quite a hamstring Achilles heel for us. These set pieces and defending the set pieces, all right? And we also saw the return of Florentino, which is good, and he played well, and a lot of people are happy, but it also makes you wonder, why was he sidelined so long? Some people say that this is Florentino without the shackles of Lige. I think it's just this is Florentino finally healthy. Remember, Florentino was injured, and there were no problems with Florentino while he was healthy last season. Florentino got injured and was sidelined, and I think Lige brought Florentino back too soon. He had a bad game, and then that was the last we saw of Florentino on November the 9th of, 9, of 2019, and he finally made his return here in this one, and he put on a very good performance. But again, everything we talk about tonight can't get I can't get past the sentiment of too little, too late. Ruben Diaz said that himself in the post-game flash when he was awarded the man of the match by Sport TV and BTV. Um, 
and you know that's it's no secret whatever happens in the match later today um at the dragon it's it's only a matter of time before porto are champions and we're gonna have to swallow that pill and it is a awfully big unsatisfactory pill to swallow especially given that for as poorly built as this team was for as poorly invested money was on this roster it's still a better roster than they have and we handed them the title this year no i'm not taking credit away from football club do porto they did their part but I, it would be fraudulent and it would be dishonest to, to take this microphone and tell you anything other than that we handed them the title. They they dropped plenty of points. They dropped plenty of points. We had plenty of opportunities to take back this title. Even after we let a seven-point lead slip, we had plenty of opportunities. All we had to do was take care of business. And everyone's to blame, not just the president, not just Bruno Lage, not just the players. It's a combination. Nobody did their part down the home stretch. All right, that's going to be it for this opening segment. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back with the news right after we pay this bill. All right, there's a little bit of news in there, but um, not as long this week. So we're going to play this ad real quick, and on the other side, I'll be there with the news. And in the news this week, we start, of course, with everyone's favorite telenovela. That's right, Jota Jota. The JJ telenovela continues at this hour as um, at the time of recording this, he is he is about two hours away from kicking off in the second leg of the Carioca final against Fluminense. He's still the Flamengo manager right now. And unfortunately, at the time of, of recording this, we are no longer champions for the first time in almost 15 months. There's a new champion in Portugal, and Football Club do Porto have now clinched the championship. Um, and that, you know, leaves a bad taste in my mouth as I read these this news. But gonna continue with it and, and soldier on through. Um, as far as the JJ telenovela goes, after tonight's match against against uh, Fluminense. It is expected by many that he will be announcing his departure from Flamengo in the coming days as he does have a flight scheduled home to Portugal for Saturday. Now this flight is ske was scheduled regardless because he knew he was going to have about a, about a month or so without any matches and he was going to have some time off and he was going to go see his family for that time off. Now Sport TV in Portugal as well as TVE 24 have both announced on their different uh, on their different programs. They have both announced with certainty. They have they have said with certainty that it that the deal is closed and that Jorge Jesus is going to be signing with Benfica, and that on Saturday everything will be finalized when he arrives in Portugal. Um, of course. Until <laughs> until pen is put to paper, I'm gonna have my doubts because you never know. We've seen these things uh, take a, a wild turn, and just hours ago, or perhaps it was yesterday, but I am reading reports that uh, Flamengo's captain Diego, uh, who some of us will remember, played for a certain blue and white prison striped team um, in the north. 
he uh, he called his team together and he called the Mister in, and basically the players confronted JJ supposedly about his future and they asked him personally to stick with with their project and to stick with the plan and to give another run at the World Club Cup. You can see that the World Club Cup is a much different. Um, it's perceived with so much more importance and so much more. Uh, status in South America than it is in Europe. European clubs even complain about having to play in it, which I think is is, is distasteful, and I think that's ri- ridiculous because even if it doesn't isn't the highest paying tournament in the world, it is a world championship, and every corner of the world should have the right to compete for that championship. And Europeans shouldn't be so spoiled and so inconvenienced to have to compete for a world championship once a year. But in in Brazil and in South America, it is a very big deal. And this club and these players want to go after it one more time. They felt, you know, they got close last year, losing an extra time to Liverpool. And they feel with, with this manager, with Jorge Jesus, they feel they can they can do it this time around. Only time's going to tell if that is going to happen or not. Um, but the Brazilian League is slated to kick off right now uh, provisionally on August the 8th. And, of course, by then, Benfica, Benfica don't want to wait until then to, to select a new manager. They can't wait until then to select a new manager. So uh, Benfica wants this signed, you know. And I said this on last... On the last Jota Jota Carioca episode, I said it in Portuguese, of course. But I said that it doesn't help either side if this thing drags out. Whether you're Benfica or you're Flamengo, you want this decision to be made by Jorge Jesus promptly because whichever team does not get Jorge Jesus wants ample time to go find their next manager. All right, And both teams want to plan next season. Now, Brazilian journalist Fabio Azevedo of Fox Sports Brazil has reported that if Jota Jota JJ comes to Benfica, Jorge Jesus, that is, of course, his first assistant, João de Deus, is the preferred choice from Flamengo's board to secede him. Now, why is this news from Mr. Benfica? Because I thought it was interesting to mention this because that means that uh, at least the Brazilian media is is leaning towards the idea that JJ's staff is going to stay in Brazil and not be joining Benfica with him, or at least certain elements of his staff, especially his right-hand man, João de Deus, who does not have any manager experience to my knowledge, but the president of Flamengo, prefers to have a man that's already on the inside because things are going well for Flamengo. It's a much different situation than with Benfica, okay, where they sack where they we sack a manager or lose a manager in a crisis mode. Flamengo are are not in a crisis mode. They are in a a winning mode right now and they're, you know, 90 minutes away from winning another title. And um they want to keep that they want to keep the, the, the staff intact as much as possible and they believe that João de Deus is the man to lead them next. Now whether or not the, the supporters will go for that, that's a whole different story but at this time that's what Fabio Azevedo of Fox Sports Brazil is reporting and why that's important is because if JJ is coming to Benfica that leads me to think he's going to be building a new staff. Now if he's 
if he's going to be building a new staff, this is conversations they may have already had. It wouldn't be the worst idea in the world if Nelson Verissimo stays on as JJ's assistant. Okay, Nelson Verissimo is 40, 43 years old. He's very young. Okay, this is his first first job as a manager at the adult level. Much different than managing kids. And you can tell by his comments uh, in press conferences that he's still used to, to working with youth players and he's got different perspectives. I think for Nelson Verissimo's long-term uh, well-being as a football manager, if his, if his goal is to be a football manager in the future and to manage a big club, there's no one better to learn from than, than J.J. And perhaps this is something that's already been talked between, between J.J. and the club. Um, perhaps there is a role for, for the assistants that still remain there to work with J.J. We also know, because it has been said, that Louis Zon will be part of the next coaching staff um, when they take power at Benfica. So I thought it was important to, to mention that they think that J.J.'s top assistant, will they want to keep him behind and they want to make him the manager. We'll see what happens there as well because they're also a democratically run club and they also have very boisterous supporters and they may not stand for that because I know looking right now is I have the pregame up on YouTube for Flamengo Fluminense tonight and looking in the chat, they want Marcelo Gallardo. They want, um, some of them want Abel Braga back. Some people want to bring in... Uh, Filippo Scolari. So, um, if Juan de Dios stays on, he, he could he could be um, met with some resistance at first. But um, if that's the case, then he probably does not plan, or JJ does not plan, or has not communicated that he plans to bring Juan de Dios to Benfica with him. Assuming, of course, that he is going to sign with Benfica. Uh, right. In in more news that's becoming all too familiar, LFV, Luis Felipe, our president, and the Saad are under investigation for fraud and money laundering. And yes, it was announced yesterday that Benfica's shares on the market had been frozen and cannot be traded. Um, we're talking, of course, about the stock market, and the Saad ha- is you know publicly traded in Portugal on the stock exchange. However, at the time of recording this, now Wednesday night, 6.51 p.m., um, according to Abola, it has been reported that that ban was lifted today by the Trade Commission in Portugal. So that's good news if... if, if um, that's good news if you want to look at it that way because perhaps... You know, maybe this 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 will go away. But again, it's too too many times where our Saad and our president are involved in too many investigations. There's too much suspicion of corruption, and I don't think even the most diehard Benfiquista doubts that there is corruption where he sees Luis Felipe Vieira. All the more reason why it is time for this man to move on. Okay, there was graffiti spray painted outside his gated community saying Vieira out. This morning when he got up. Fans have had enough. Brazilian club Corinthians have also announced that they are returning Colombian winger Yoni Gonzalez to Benfica as he failed to appear in the minimum number of matches for the Timon to trigger the auto buyout clause. So there was an automatic buyout clause in, in his loan deal 
and he did not appear in enough matches. And Corinthians have decided that they are not going to keep the player, and they have sent him back to Benfica. Remember, Yanni never played for Benfica. He came in. He was signed from Fluminense and immediately loaned to Corinthians um, pretty much in the same day. Women's football has announced, Benfica's women's football department, of course, has announced that American Caroline Van Slombrock will be going on loan to Spanish side Santa Teresa de Badajoz uh, for the 2020-21 season. The center back only appeared in five matches for the Lady Aguish last season. Men's futsal has announced the signing of Brazilian international Artur from Barcelona, while on the same day, uh, the Catalan Giants have announced they have signed Benfica's Ala Andrea Coelho. So somewhat of a trade there between Benfica and Barcelona in futsal. In men's basketball, an announcement came out of the department this week that forward Arnett Harm, uh, excuse me, Arnett Halman has signed a one-year extension on his contract in Benfica basketball. Um, will once again this year represent Portugal in the FIBA Europe Cup. That is because at the time that the Basketball League was suspended, Benfica were in second place. So that slots them into the FIBA Europe Cup, while Sporting were in first place, unfortunately. So they got the spot in the FIBA Europe Champions League. The handball cal calendar was released today by the Federation. Benfica will open the handball season, men's handball, that is, um, at home on September the 12th against Aguas Santos. The first big match comes in November uh, away to the champion, Football Club de Porto. And women's hockey star Inez Vieira has left the club according to an official comunicado from the department. All right, that is it for the news for this week. Let's, uh, let's listen to Reconquista. And on the other side, we'll get right into Benfica. Vitoria Guimarães from Tuesday at the Stadio de Luz. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso, por direito Quem não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força, sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora, nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Carrega sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho Vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista 
Acha do que é nós por direito Que não vim por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Welcome back to episode 68 of Mr. Benfica and on it's it's on a somber note right now as I said during the news it is now official we are no longer the champions um it's it makes me sick to my stomach to to see these these images and I got our tip up right now uh 24 waters is on in the and you know uh, they're interviewing Pete Dacosta and, and everything he said was about Benfica. He said nothing about his own team winning a championship. He just wanted to see the face of everyone who said Benfica is too big for Portugal. Blah, 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 blah. You know what, Pinto Dacosta? Enjoy it now because pro on Jesus vai aqui. Oh, yeah. I'm coming around to the idea of JJ taking over again, as you can tell, um, simply for the fact that... Um, Somebody's got to turn this boat around, and I don't want to be patient. I don't want it to be done gradually. Uh, we have our rivals in a position where we need to take advantage of, and we have failed to do so. So if it means two, three, four more years of J.J. coming in and us cleaning house, then, then hey, at the end of the day, if Benfica are champions, that's what I want. And um, I don't like this feeling that I have right now, and I don't want to feel it a year from now. And um, I don't want to see these morons celebrating. I don't want to see, you know, blue fireworks. And I I don't really care. Uh, the idiot Pinta Kosha just said he's going to have public in the stadium next week. He says he's going to have a concert before the match. And then the government should be able to allow the public to stay because concerts are okay. And once they're already in, what harm is there in watching football? <sighs> Absolutely just disgusted with what our team did this year. All right, let's get to this match, will we? It is round 32, and it is Benfica versus Vitoria Guimarães. Let's go to the lineups, starting with the visiting side, of course, as I pull it up here. And starting in goal for Vitoria Guimarães was Douglas. Four across the back for the Conquistadores. You got Falaye Sacco, Federico Venaccio, Essa Suleiman, and Florent Hanin across the back in midfield. There's three. Dennis Will Poja, Michelagu, and Andrea Andrea. And up front, the striker. Bruno Duarte is supported on each side by wingers Marcus Edwards and Ola John, someone we know very well. And uh, Benfica's starting 11. Vlacodimos is in goal again. The back four is un unchanged as it is. André Almeida, Ruben Dias, Jardel, and Nuno Tavares. Midfield stays the same. Pizzi, Weigel, Gabriel, and Chervi up front. One change, Vinicius is in for Seferovic. Chiquinho wins out over Rafa once again for the supporting forward role. Now, 
interesting that he went back to Vinicius, and at, as we work our way through the through this match, you know you'll find out that Seferovic scores again, and that must mean that he will start again next match. And I'm not going to lay any blame on Verissimo for that one. I would be doing the same thing if I were him at this point. Whoever's the hot... Actually, whoever you think is going to score should be the player you don't start. You should you should go 60 minutes with, with the one you don't choose and then bring a guy in with 30 to go. It's funny how it's like absolutely textbook. When it hits that minute, those substitutions are made. I got... When we get to the second half, I have some strong opinions on the way that the substitutes were made. Substitutions, excuse me, were made in this match. I don't like it. It worked out today. It worked out in this one, but I don't like it. And it's it it's raising some flags for me, especially looking ahead to the cup final, which is now ever more important. And we really need to be at our best. And we need to give our best effort of the season in that cup final. And I'm not just talking about the players on the field. It needs to be the best managed match of the season. So we go into the start. And Guimarães start well. Okay, Benfica a little bit on the back foot to start the match. As we'll move right ahead into minute number We'll move right into minute number 20, and that is, again, the one that um, I talked about in the opening. Marcus Edwards, the the English winger, cuts in. He beats. He goes into that gap, okay? We talked about last week. Here's the real problem with Benfica structurally right now, okay? And I'm not blaming Nuno Tavares because he, there, were process, there were steps in his process you know, in his formation that were skipped, and, and this is a result of it, okay? He is not good defensively yet because he's never had to defend as a wingback because they just have never had to defend. If you're playing youth football for Benfica, you're coming through the system having to do very little defending. And what happens is he's always running, he's always high, and Cherfi does a good job covering for him, but... He can only do so much, and I think it's a really flawed system, okay? And it's a really flawed uh, system of play when you need to start a player just to make up for another player's deficiencies. Why this coaching staff at this stage in the season hasn't experimented with playing Chervi as the left back and Rafa as the left midfielder so that you get both of those guys on rather than choosing one or the other You've got a disgruntled Rafa, clearly. When he does play, he's being asked to defend as much as anything, and that's not part of his, his MO. That's not in his in his wheelhouse, in his modus operandi. Okay? And that leads to having an unhappy player. Now, when, when Gabriel is not on his game and he's not cheating to that side, okay, there is a huge gap in in the space behind the the on you know, forward-rushing Nuntavaj. And we've seen teams exploit that all season. We've never done anything to to adjust to it. I have a couple ideas of how we could do it, but it looks like we're just continuing, no matter who the manager is, to do the same thing time and time again. Well, in the 20th minute, Marcus Edwards gets the ball, and he's in that area. He's in behind. He cuts onto his left foot and fires a, a brilliant shot. He, Odie is beat. He's fortunate that, that ball hits the crossbar, comes down, hits the upright, and bounces out, or Benfica are down 1-0. Okay. 
And this is just frustrating because the clear flaws are never addressed. You keep switching the striker. You keep making like-for-like substitutions which do not address the situations that are going on in the match and the, the deficiencies that are happening in the match. Benfica very lucky not to go behind uh, a goal to nil. A minute later, Weigel gets a questionable yellow card for a foul on Edwards. And I looked at the replay. Okay. It looks like he gets ball. I could be wrong, but it looks like he gets ball. I think that's a foul at most. Ugo Miguel shows the yellow card, and that's the beginning of the end for Weigel. Okay. Um,. Weigel would have a couple more substitutions, uh, excuse me, a couple more fouls that would lead to him being substituted still in the first half. And the Vitoria Guimarães bench absolutely losing their mind. Um, Flavio Magalhães is the name, I believe, of the assistant that absolutely loses his mind. Nenu's over there, our former goalkeeper. He's one of their, he's part of their, their staff. He's there too. And it's, uh, you know, they're, Clearly, there was an intent in this match to to get Weigel booked by Vitoria Guimarães, by Ivo Vieira. I have no issue with that. That's part of the match. That's part of the uh, of football is is trying to to n- neutralize your stronger opponent. And when they didn't get the job done, and, and Weigel is subbed off in the thirty second minute, that really sets off the bench at Vitoria Guimarães. It looks like they were very much disappointed. But Benfica avoid a they avoid a bullet there, and it, coming into the match is Florentine Luis, who returns to the pitch for the first time since November the ninth in the Azores against Santa Clara, and um, Florentino has himself one heck of a match. I thought he was pretty good in this one, and the team seems to play well with him, so it's. Florentino Luis on, Ulian Weigel off, and four minutes later, this happens. So Chiquinho gets on the board, assisted by Carlos Vinicius, and it is Chiquinho's second goal of the season, and deserving, obviously. Chiquinho does a lot of things right. He's he's not, you know, he's not a world beater. He's not the greatest player in the world, but he he is a player that that gives a very high work rate. He's often in the right places, and then his execution lets him down. Good for him to notch a goal here in the 36th minute. And Benfica would see out the rest of the half and take it to halftime with the 1-0 lead. Not anything we haven't seen recently. Now, Benfica recently have been 
poor with a lead. Okay, they've played poorly with a lead. So plenty of concern going into the second half. But we're going to take a quick break here for um, for the first half. We're going to call the first half and take a quick break. This is Mr. Benfica, episode 68. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. And you can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. On Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And don't forget to check out www.mrbenfica.com. And don't forget to check out the Mr. Benfica channel on YouTube. We'll be right back with the second half. Welcome back to episode 68 of Mr. Benfica. Let's get into the second half. And no substitutions to talk about at halftime. And just two minutes in, it's Nuno Tavares with a left-footed effort from outside the box, but it's high and wide. He was set up by Florentino Luiz. And we'd have another opportunity here for Benfica in the 53rd. Chiquinho taken down in the attacking half. But what has been um, one of Benfica's uh, sore thumbs this season. And again, nothing coming of the set piece. 56th minute and Ivo Vieira goes to the bench. He subs on Pedrão in, in place of Suleiman. So he subs on a midfielder for a defender. And... And Guimarães are going to change their formation. So what's Benfica going to do to to counter that? We'll see that in a little bit. But in the 57th minute, it's another attempt for Benfica. Gabriel uh, with a left-footed shot from outside the box. He misses just to the left after receiving a pass from Pizzi. Not much to talk about there. There's a stretch of the game here where Benfica's starting to play better, though. Benfica is starting to play better. They're starting to combine well. There's there's a nice combination play here in this stage of the game around the 60th minute. And it was including PZ and it was including Carlos Vinicius and Chiquinho. Some nice, some nice movement off the ball. One-time play, but they couldn't finish. It would have been... The nicest goal of the season because I think um, Elder Kundutu even said on BTV that that was the best that was the best string of passes and run of play Benfica have had in a long, long time. And when you have the momentum and you're up and you're playing well, and Benfica look much closer to scoring the first goal, scoring the second goal, excuse me, than surrendering um, an equalizer to to Guimarães. What do you do when you're the manager, right? Well. It's hey, we hit the 60-minute mark. So in the 64th minute, Nelson Verissimo is gonna go to the bench for no reason, in my opinion. This one I'm really gonna criticize. Okay, on comes Harris Seferovic for Carlos Vinicius, and on comes Rafa Silva for Pizzi. This game had no need of a change at that point. Benfica are the team on the front foot. Benfica are the ones looking close to doubling their lead. 
This is substituting just for the sake of substituting. And this is my pet peeve with managers, all right? I'd rather they make no substitutions in a match than do this because this this was needless, okay? Even PZ, who I'm very, I've been very critical of for weeks, is, is having a better match, okay? How come when we're winning, PZ comes out in the 64th minute? And when he's doing nothing and we're losing, he plays until the 89th minute. And again... You bring in Rafa and play Rafa on the right rather than giving an opportunity to somebody. The championship is gone. Why why is Jota not getting a chance here? Why is he not getting a chance? No, we're going to bring in Rafa, which is fine. Rafa is somebody who should play. He should be fit into the starting 11. Okay, I understand. And I'm going to talk about this because I left this out in the news and I left this out in the first segment. But over the course of the past week, Rafa, Pizzi, and Andrea Almeida have issued statements through their social media, you know, denying that they that they sunk Bruno Lage, um, you know, for lack of a better term, denying that they're not giving, that they're, you know, not giving their best out there. And they're very angry that they're being criticized. And honestly, I have a reaction to that, and that is, all oh, poor babies. You are footballers. You make your statements on the pitch, not on Instagram. You want to say you're not trying to sink your manager? Show it on the pitch before your manager's sacked. You've already got this reputation. We didn't come up with it now. Don't don't get all sensitive now and release these statements that you've always fought for for the club and that your team is united and that your teammates came out and defended your ex-manager. I don't want to hear any of that. Do your talking on the pitch with your feet. Do your talking on the pitch. And some can say that PZ has done his talking this season on the pitch. Statistically, he's been pretty good. However, the last ever since the end of January, I beg to differ. Okay? PZ has stepped up and missed four penalties this year. Four penalties missed in one season. Now, it's not his fault he was the one called on to take them every time. I understand that. But do you not understand why you're being criticized? Does Andre Almeida not understand that he played like crap in Madeira and that he was walking as the other team was scoring? Do they not understand that their lack of effort and lack of performance directly resulted us losing the championship this year? And this goes for Rafa too, a player I'm a very big fan of when he's on. And I think that the problem is Rafa is not being used correctly. Okay. He's being asked to defend, and that's not his game. But again, the substitute. When I say defend, he's being put on a side with an inexperienced left back, which which hinders his play. And then there's still the old passage of just kicking the ball to Rafa and watching him run. If you watch when Rafa receives the ball in space, there's nobody getting open for him. They're just watching him, and then you criticize the guy when he loses the ball. But needless to say. This goes for him as well. Don't do your talking by releasing a uh, an Instagram statement. Do your talking on the pitch with the ball at your feet. 
this substitution was bad. I, I It worked out because Rafa and Seferovic happened to connect for the goal. Okay, I understand that. But this, this made no tactical sense whatsoever. You had Guimarães that just changed their, their shape. And you just make two like-for-like -like substitutions. Makes... And why Seferovic comes in as if he had played well in the previous matches to deserve to play. I know that you know Vinicius was not having a good match. No matter who you start is not having a good match. But this was not the time to make that substitution. But apparently, you know, Nelson Verdissimo decided it was time. He's literally coaching. the. He's, he's managing these matches to a T like Bruno Lage did. He's either the exact same person or he's he's afraid of making Lige look bad perhaps and not changing too much I don't know what he's trying to do I don't know what he's been told to do either again I can't come on here every week and say that I didn't believe Lige was making his own was making his own uh decisions when I thought he was being his hands were being forced so I can't possibly expect the interim manager to have complete freedom to do what he he sees fit so I'm not completely criticizing Verissimo, but I mean these these substitutions—they're made just for the sake of having substitutions. We fast forward to the 72nd minute, and now it is Guimarães once again making a substitution, an attack-minded substitution. Quatara uh, comes on for Ola John, and Benfica youth product Pipi Rodrigues comes on for Mikel Agu. And within a few moments, Andrea Andrea has a right-footed shot from outside the box blocked. He was set up by Marcus Edwards. And Guimarães quickly have now survived the... They've survived the storm of Benfica's, you know, their phase of good play, which was interrupted by by Nelson Radicimu needlessly making a substitution. And now Benfica now is starting to be put a little bit further back and start to... Give, be given a headache here as, as Guimarães is starting to believe they're going to get the equalizer. And listen, every team we play is incredibly confident to play against us right now. They're incredibly confident to play against us right now. And um, why wouldn't they be? Our, defensively, we're, we're a disaster. Our positioning is horrible. Um, we have outside backs that don't defend very well. Let's be honest. Even Andre Almeida is not a great outside back. Uh, on a normal Benfica team, he's he's on the bench. He's not an everyday starter. Nun Tavares is still learning. 78th minute, uh, Andre Almeida goes in the book for a yellow card for a bad foul on Quatara. In the 80th minute, two minutes later, Seferovic has a left-footed effort from more than 35 yards. This was a nice little play. He was set up by Chiquinho. Um on a headed pass, and he goes for the chip from distance, and Douglas, stepping back, manages to get just, uh, he manages to get back just enough to be able to outstretch his arm and parry the ball over the bar for a corner kick, as Benfica nearly doubled their lead there. And coming up here in this, we got a substitution now in the 83rd minute for for Vitória Guimarães. João Pedro comes on. He replaces Denis Poha. 
and he nearly, with his first touch of the of the game in the 84th minute, he puts the ball in the goal. Again, it's it's off a corner kick. No, it's off a free kick, excuse me, from the right wing. Marcus Edwards with the free kick, the in-swinging free kick. If, uh, it goes all the way across the, the goal to to uh, Quatera, who, who heads it across goal. João Pedro is there to tap it in, but he is offside by literally half a stride or less. And Benfica are very, very fortunate once again. This is the second time they were fortunate not to be picking the ball up out of the back of their goal. And then in one minute later, we get we get the the game set match, if you will, the checkmate as it's Rafa down the line. And here is um, this is a little bit poorer audio, but here is what it sounded like as the commentators are talking about something completely unrelated until essentially the ball goes in. But Rafa with the cross right onto the run of Harris Seferovic, and with his right foot, Seferovic. Now equals under Almeida in goals for this season at four. So naturally, Seferovic wins a spot in next week's starting 11 with that goal. He scores with his right foot. Not a bad goal, but uh, for the season he's had, again, too little, too late. For someone who's so much of an unquestioned, undisputable starter so many times for this team to have such little output this season, um, it's good to see him score because, again, we need everybody... We need everybody on board, and we need everybody playing well in the cup final. That's really where the focus of every match should be going forward. Nelson Verissimo said that's not the case when asked about it in the pregame press conference, which I disagree with also because it should be. Uh, he should be trying to figure out what the best the best team to put on the pitch, what the best formation and what the best system and what the best psychology is to use going into this match against Porto in the cup final on August the 1st. And um, this isn't going to cut it. So, uh, fortunately, though, Seferovic gets on the board. It is 2-0 to Benfica, four minutes from the end. And in the 87th minute, and it's Nelson Verdissimo going to the substitutes bench again. And again, he makes two substitutions that make no change at all in the dynamic that the team has on the pitch. I understand to an extent, but why are you... why? managers it's not just him find the need to make these changes late in the match and give a guy less than five minutes on the pitch Shikinu comes off for Zivkovic and Chervi comes off for Jota 
you'd think Benfica had not blown leads before because you're taking Chervi off again. It, 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 it's such a weird it's such a weird dynamic where the most important defensive player for Benfica is the left-sided midfielder, but that's where we are right now, and he subs him off for another kid. So now you got two kids on the left. you got Jota and you have uh, Nuno Tavares with just a two-goal lead. Had Vitori Gimenez pulled one back, this could have been very dangerous. Um, Jota does have one nice chance to score. He combines nicely with Seferovic, plays him in, but his left-footed shot lets him down. It's right at the goalkeeper, Douglas. And time will run out, and the referee, Ugo Miguel, will blow his whistle for full time at 90 plus 4. And Befica take the three points, and they get to be champions for one more day. Um, like we said, that, that is over now. But um, let's hear from Nuno Varissimo here at the end of the match. A justificação é que nós temos um plantel recheado de bons jogadores, muito competitivo, uh, e que as escolhas têm que ser feitas jornada após jornada. Uh, hoje houve a oportunidade do, do Tino entrar e deu uma boa resposta, tal como nós estávamos à espera, porque tal como todos os outros que não jogam são jogadores... Uh, que nos treinos dão sempre o seu, o seu melhor, o seu máximo, e estão todos à procura da sua oportunidade. Entrou o Tino, mas uh, ficaram outros jogadores no banco que acabaram por não entrar, e que também têm qualidade e capacidade para, em caso de serem chamados, uh, darem uma resposta muito positiva, fruto das necessidades da equipa. So, caretaker manager Nelson Veríssimo there uh, was asked about Florentino, and we talked about how Florentino came into the match, and I I thought he had a fantastic match. Um, he was asked why he was away from the team, why he was off the pitch so long. So I'll translate what Nelson Verissimo said for the most part. Then he went on. At the end, he goes on to one of those cliche, everybody matters, even the ones that didn't play matter kind of diatribes. But basically what he says is he was asked for the justification as to why Florentino Luiz has been off the pitch for so long. And he says the justification is that we have a great roster. And that the lineups are made week to week, uh, depending on the opponent. Today, Tino answered the call. He said, I'm calling BS, okay? I'm calling BS. Because the roster is not high quality. Unfortunately, in Tino's position, that's where like all of our best players <laughs> sit. Um, that's the one place we had some depth. But the truth is, uh, the reason Tino hasn't played is because our coaching staff, whether it's this one or the previous one has not been able to figure out how to fit Tino into a lineup that includes Gabriel and and uh, Ulian Weigel. That's why. Because they're not very creative. What I think should happen in one of the next two games, this needs to be tried out, especially for serious, and we want to try to win this, this cup on August the 1st. What I believe needs to happen, at least, it's got to be given, and I think the Avj match is the perfect time to do it. But it it, it actually can't happen because Weigel is suspended. Um, he picked up his fifth yellow card. But I want to see a 4-3-3 with Florentino on one side, Weigel on the other, and Gabriel on the other. I think that may work better. And then you have two outside forwards. You know, you play with 
with Peasy on the right, Rafa on the left, and one of the strikers in the middle. And I think that will provide better. And you tell Nun Tavares he's not playing striker. That's the other thing. He plays as a defender, and he goes up when the opportunity presents itself. Not every single time we have the ball. I think it's worth trying. Again, we can't do it against Avs, like I said, because Weigel is suspended. But perhaps against Sporting, if we can do it against Sporting, that's a good litmus test to see if something may or may not work against Porto. Because whoever the manager is next year, assuming both of these players are still on the roster, needs to find a way to have them both on the pitch. You're not going to have a 20 million euro, you know, purchase of Julian Weigel on the bench, even and have you know a. You know, an all-world future. Who knows how many million transfer, uh, you know, a, a sale in Florentino Luigi sitting on the bench. How his value has has completely plummeted because he hasn't been able to get on on the pitch. And I don't want to see him given away yet because he's got a lot to still offer to this team. I don't believe Weigel is truly a number six. I believe he's doing that because that's where these coaches have decided he fits into this team. I think Weigel is a lot more similar to Gabriel. He's he's a technically better player than Gabriel. He doesn't have the same tenacity to press high, but he is one of the best two or three passers of the ball on the team. I think that he needs a chance to play in front of a holding midfielder rather than being the holding midfielder. And let's see if that works. You have to at least try to get these guys on the pitch together. But um, I don't like that answer from Fabrizio. I don't like many of the answers he's he's given. But then again, he's been a youth manager and a youth coach his whole career for the most part. He's not had to face questions before. And it's different. You know, he, he, he may not be... You don't have to be good at a press conference at taking questions. Because Bruno Lage was exceptional at first at that, okay? And then when things go got tough, it became a very hard thing for him to do match after match. But you don't have to be well-spoken to be a good manager. You don't have to use all the right cliches and say all the right terminology. You just have to know the game. But when he talks, Verissimo, I think he, he, uh, he kind of talks himself into corners. Anyway. Let's go to the goal point now, okay, as we start to wrap up this episode 68. The goal point ratings here, starting with the visitors. Douglas, the goalkeeper, is a 5.5. Sacco's is 6.0. Venancio is a 6.0. Suleiman, 4.9. Florent, uh, 5.8. Edwards is a 6.3. He's the highest rated player on Guimarães. Andrea is 5.9. Pojas, 5.5. Mikel Agu is 4.1, Ola John 5.7, and Bruno Duarte is a 3.6. He's the lowest ranked player uh, for Vitoria Guimarães. Still off the bench, but Pedro Henrique has a 5.2, Otara has a 6.1, and Pipi Rodriguez has a 5.8. João Pedro not on the pitch long enough to earn a rating, though he almost earned a goal. Benfica, Vlacodimo is 6.7. Andre Almeida, 5.0. Ruben Dias with a man of the match performance on goal point as well as on television. So goal point gives him the man of the match with a 7.2 rating. Jardel's a 6.4. Nuntavarj with the lowest rating on the pitch of either team, 3.5. Cherfi's a 5.2. Gabriel, 6.8. Weigel, 5.2. 
uh, PZ 5.8, Chiquinho 6.5, and Carlos Renicius 5.5. Off the bench, Florentino comes in for a 6.1, Seferovic 6.3, Rafa 6.1, and Zivkovic and Jota do not earn a rating. Uh, shots. Uh, we're gonna go through the the st- the statistics real quick. Shots twelve apiece. Shots on goal five for Benfica, three for Vitoria. Uh, shots from inside the area four for Benfica, five for Vitoria from inside the area. Pass efficiency almost even. Benfica eighty four percent to Vitoria's eighty two percent. Efficiency vertical efficiency of the vertical pass is almost dead even as well. 66% for Benfica to 65% for Vitoria. Duels won almost even. Also, this ends up being statistically a very even match. Also, in the expected goals category, I, I would like to point out goals so very even and uh, back to duels 46 for Benfica 43 for Vitoria fouls Benfica commits 23 fouls to Vitoria's 12 Benfica only four corners in this one but they surrendered six uh, possession dominated by Benfica 58 to 42 all right let's quickly run down the scores for round 32 starting on Monday Maritimo nil Rioav nil Vitoria Stubal one uh, Fomali Cone 2. They're in danger now. Vitoria Stubel, that is. Santa Clara 3. Avj 0. Portimonense wins 2-1 to one at home to Boavista and are now, for now at least, out of the drop zone. Benfica 2. Guimarães 0. Gil Vicente 3. Tondela 2. Moreirense 1. Passos Ferreira 1. Braga 1. Bolognese Sad 1. In the battle of the Jigayu brothers. And just uh, completed hours ago. Football Clube do Porto 2, Sporting Clube de Portugal 0, both goals from Marega. Football Clube do Porto are the champions of Portugal for 2019-2020. And that is a sour note. But before I go and leave you on that sour note, I have some more bad news. Uh, the Mr. Portugal episode I was planning for this week has become been made very, very difficult because um, earlier this week... You know, I think a lot of you like this website, uh, the the website footballia.net, where I relied heavily on for coverage of this Euro 84 that I was trying to review in the Mr. Portugal platform, um, one of the historic tournaments for Portugal all time. Uh, footballia.net appears to have been taken down due to copyright um, complaints of copyright infringement. I know they tweeted out a statement and they put a statement on their website while it was still up that they were well within their rights. What they're doing was completely legal under EU law. But as of Monday, they have been down and I have not been able to watch the match in order to do the re- the review. I'm going to s- try to throw something together because I don't know that Footballio will be back. I hope that they're back. Um any of you that are subscribers should know that right now they are down. Go to the website and it will tell you that they are not responding to the connection or their server's not responding. So I'm concerned there. So that's a double sour note to end this episode 68. But better days are ahead with or without George Jesus. We have to believe that better days are ahead. And Porto better celebrate well now because next year is another story. And a team like Benfica, you can't keep down for too long. And I think we have we have the ambition to be better. And our, our fans are going to demand it of whoever the players are, of whoever the manager is, whoever the president is come, you know, later on in the year. So let's um, 
let's try to to not get too pissed off about things right now, but let's try to keep everything productive. You know, we can be negative, we can be critical, but let's keep it um, a productive criticism. And hopefully things will turn around. And we still got a cup to play for this season. And I can't believe we're down to three matches. Two in the league and one in the cup to play this season. And season two of Mr. Benfica is nearing the end. So um, that's going to do it, like I said, for episode 68. But I'll be back again next week after the the match with Sportiv Dezavsh is that will be covered in episode 69 and maybe there'll be some bonus material between now and then and i got another mini series planned to close out the season i'll give you more details when the time comes all right but that's gonna do it i am the mr mike agustinu this has been mr benfica a production of the ptv soccer network and i will see you next week carrega benfica forza benfica we are benfica